Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, everyone. It's a beautiful day in Charlotte, North Carolina, as I'm recording this to you today. We are in Mark 10. We are on the second half of our study through Mark, and we will pick up in verse 1 right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, it's time for us to dive into Mark 10. And if you were with me last time, you know that I went long and still ran out of time to get into the entire passage. If you know me, you know that I would love to just really slow down, but I'm trying to do this study in such a way as to inspire you. And the best Bible teachers I've ever been under did not answer all my questions, neither did they endeavor to do so. No, their objective was higher than that. Their objective was to inspire me to dig into God's Word and to study it on my own, to help me gain the tools and truly help me see that I could study God's Word. And that's really my objective here, too. I'm not trying to just do a flyover. I'm trying to dig deep enough in that I get you in a place that you're like, yeah, I got to get home right now and get out my Bible and look that up for myself. Hallelujah. Right on. And it's going to be the same today. There are going to be parts of chapter 10 that we're not going to actually get to dig deep into at all. I want to remind you, you can get a PDF downloadable printable study guide over at rachelcarmen.com, not just this week, but on the whole book of Mark. 
their study guys on a variety of things over there. The M&M series that I do at the first of every month for the Psalms, that's over there too. So you can print that off, grab a couple of neighbors or friends, maybe your sister-in-law in Illinois that you want to do this study with. can both do it. You can listen in. Um, the study of the word, I believe, is best done in community. So find some friends and do that together, maybe husband and wife, maybe with your high school son or daughter. But dare to dig into the word. So I'm, I'm, that's my apologetic for not getting to everything today, even before we dig in. But I do have some parts of today's study in chapter 10 that I really want to drill down into. So that's really what we're going to endeavor to do. And there is, there's really some of my favorite passages here. The first part where it deals with the question of divorce, but it's really not the question of divorce. It's really the religious leaders trying to test Jesus, right? And then we have this issue of the little children who there was this dispute about where were they in this whole issue of the kingdom of God. And then we've got the rich young ruler who runs up, right? And then we have James and John, the sons of thunder, who have a question for Jesus. And then we have blind Bartimaeus, who ends up being healed. I mean, this is kind of an interesting compilation of snippets of the ministry of Christ all rolled into one in chapter 10. And any one of those portions of this chapter would make for a whole, a a really long study in and of itself. And yet we have them all comprised into our time together. So hold on and let's see what the Holy Spirit will help us get to today. So I am going to dare to dive deep into two parts of those, um, but I'm going to look at the other ones also. Let's first go through, though, again, we want to remember that this whole book of Mark is Jesus, the Son of God, the servant of God, Jesus on the move. He was an active Messiah, and that is what we're called to. We're called to be action-oriented. It says, these are the verbs associated with Jesus. Again, I'm going to run through the list, and then you can chase these at will. He got up and went. Um, Mom, sometimes it's time to get up, right? He got up, he went, he taught, he answered, he explained. He saw, he rebuked, he questioned, he challenged, he commented, he emphasized, he assured, he foretold, he called, he stopped, He said, and he healed. So once again, a wide variety of verbs, all action verbs associated with the person of Christ. And so the, again, we need to make sure that we are people of action when it comes to our ministry, when it comes to our witness, our testimony, our engagement, not just with the gospel, but with those that God places into our lives. So we're going to pick up in verses 1 through 12, right here at the beginning of this chapter, we have once again, a crowd has gathered, and when Jesus sees a crowd, he sees an opportunity. And I think you and I need to see that too. When we've got people that we have a voice into their lives, we need to see that for what it is. It's an opportunity, not an opportunity to manipulate or take advantage, but an opportunity to make sure that we are shining the light of Christ, that we are witnessing to his goodness and his faithfulness. I'm not talking about knocking them over the head, but I am talking about 
realizing that they're in our life for a reason and God is giving us opportunity and we need to guard that. And we see that here. Jesus is doing that. There's a crowd gathered and he has a word for them, not surprisingly. So he begins to teach them. But guess what? Guess what? Jealousy pops its ugly head. It doesn't say that in the passage, but we see that Jesus is teaching a crowd and the Pharisees come and it looks like they interrupt it. The Pharisees come up and they begin to test him and question him, right? The Pharisees are still so set in entrapping Jesus. They want to destroy him. The people love him. They are amazed by his teaching. They are amazed by his works, his miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, word's gotten out about Jesus, right? And the Pharisees are just determined to destroy his reputation. So they come up and they start questioning him this time. And that would be an interesting aside homework assignment for you. And that is doing a chart tracing all of the different testing questions that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Herodians, all of them. What are the various different questions of entrapment that they place before the Lord Christ? What are they asking him about? Because I would suggest to you that they're not really caring about the issue specifically. They're really just trying to trip up Jesus, right? But it'd be interesting to study all of that. I'm sure that's been done, but it would be interesting for your study to do that also. They come up on this occasion and they question him about whether it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Well, this is one of the things that's interesting to recognize here is this is not a new hot topic. This has been a hot topic for a long time. All the way back in the Old Testament at the time of Moses, there were men who decided they no longer wanted to be married to their wives. And Moses permitted, right, the men to write these women, these their wives, what was called a certificate of divorce, right? But Jesus is like, Guys, you are totally missing it. Right, right. Moses permitted, allowed these men to write their wives a certificate of divorce. But that's because your hearts were hard. That's not the ideal, Jesus says. That's not because it's good. It's not because it's okay. It's not because it honors God. It's because you have a hard heart. Jesus, what you need to see here is he pulls them back to what the real issue is. And it's not just the hard heart represented in the men who wanted to divorce their wives. It's represented in the Pharisees themselves just trying to breathe Jesus' question and trap him up. So don't miss that. He speaks to the issue. And if you wonder about where Jesus stands on the issue of marriage and divorce, even on the issue of gender, male and female, he created them. It's right here in this passage. So don't for a minute think that Jesus did not specifically speak to those issues. He did. He spoke to those issues very clear and very definitively right here in this passage. Picking up in verse 6, the words of Jesus go through verse 9. Teaching, going back to Genesis on the teaching of one man and one woman. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Right there are the words of Christ regarding male and female, regarding marriage. One man, one woman should not be separated. There's more that we could study there, but I want to continue on. Verses 13 through 16, there's the issue of these little children. 
the, the people, the crowd, right, that's gathered, they want to bring their little children to Jesus. They want Jesus to bless their children. They want him to lay hands on them. But the disciples, I mean, seriously, another study that you could do is just on the disciples. What do the disciples do in different circumstances? Here they are rebuking the parents who want to bring their children to Jesus to bless them. They don't want the parents to do this. It's like, you know what? Stop. Jesus is tired. He's overwhelmed. He's got too many things to do. He's doing other things that are more important than blessing your children. That's basically, that's the RRSV. That's the Rachel's Revised Standard Version. Maybe the living version would say something like that. The disciples are like, yeah, no, no, don't bring your children. He's got other more important things to say. But it says Jesus saw them doing this and he was indignant. And he says this, again, the words of Christ. Permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. Those are the words of Christ. And then it says in 16, he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. Do not refuse the little children to come to me. Jesus says, it's, it, you need to come like these children, enthusiastic, innocent, desiring, my touch, my blessing, my words, come like they're coming. This is exactly, this is exactly what you need to see, is these children coming to me, come like they're coming. That's Jesus' instruction. Now we're going to get on to, again, I say this over and over, one of my favorite passages, and that is the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. I love this. It says, as Jesus was setting out on a journey. So Jesus is leaving. He's headed out. Bam, he's going to go. This is you or me. We're headed out the door for the day, right? And it says, a man, notice, he's one of the unnamed. We do not have a name. So consider Consider maybe this could be you. Consider. A man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What a question. We'll pick up there after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, We've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. 
I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay. Here is this young man kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Don't Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He ran to him. He saw him and he ran to him. How do you come to Jesus? Do you run to him? Are you anxious to get to him? Can you get to him fast enough during the day, mom? In the morning, when you first hear that baby cry, can you get to Jesus fast enough? Can you get to his word fast enough? Can you start praising him fast enough in the morning? This young man saw Jesus and he ran to him. But it's better than that. He knelt. Humility. Not just how anxious are you to get to God, but how do you come to Him? How do you come to Him? Do you come humbly to Him? Do you come repentant to Him? Do you come seeking His word, His direction, His instruction? This is what we see in this rich young ruler. We see a man anxious to get to Jesus, desperate for an answer, humble, seeking, oh, that we would come like the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. His example here, at least in the beginning of this passage, is is stunning. Jesus' response is, so why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Wow, we could go really deep into that. Do you know that all good things come from above? That goodness is the person of God? He alone is good? He alone is good. The Lord, he is good. Jesus acknowledges that. What he's basically saying here is you're calling me good teacher. So you're acknowledging me as God, just so we're clear, right? Because only God is good. And that's what you're saying. So just so we're clear, who is speaking to you, who you've come to, and who's going to answer your question, you have just acknowledged me as God, right? We're on the same page. Okay, good. Okay, so... No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. How did Jesus know that this man knew the commandments? Yeah, don't miss this either. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He knew the heart of this man even before he came. He knew. He knew what he knew. He knew what he thought, right? He knew. And there are other Another study that you could do. There are other indications, other stories throughout Scripture where we see in the biblical narrative that Jesus knew what they were thinking. They didn't say anything. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in their hearts. Go back, look up those instances, study those. You and I think that we hide things from God, that he doesn't know what we're thinking. He doesn't know what our attitude is. Look, we can fool other people, but we don't ever fool him. So Jesus says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. So Jesus is repeating the law, 
that he knew that this young man knew. And he said, teacher, listen to this young man, probably still on his knees, maybe, maybe, we don't know. So if he's still on his knees in what would look like a physical position of humility, his words are not humble. Jesus says, you know the commandments. He recounts the commandments. And this young man who initially seems so humble in position, in seeking, right? He blows it. What is his response to Jesus listing the Ten Commandments? He goes, yeah, no, I've kept all those. Got it. Done it. Done it. I've kept all of those since my youth up. It says in 21, Jesus looked at him. And Jesus felt a love for him. It doesn't say this. I just wonder. Jesus looked at him and felt love for him. I I sense that it's like, oh, bud. Yeah, no. 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 It says that Jesus says to him, one thing you lack Jesus says, one thing you lack, and then he tells them four things. Wait, one, two, three, four, five things to do. He says, one thing you lack, and then he tells them to do five things. Get this, we're going to tie it up, but listen. Go. Go, he says. The first thing he says, go and sell all of you, your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. Mm. Go, sell, give, come, follow. What's the one thing that Jesus is referring to? What's the one thing that this man lacked? Your heart is not with me. Your heart. Your heart is with things of this world. Everything that you possess, everything else you follow hard after, everything else you chase after, everything else you've given yourself to, the one thing you lack is a heart for me, Jesus is saying. And in order to get that one thing, you need to do these five things. You need to go. You need to sell. You need to give, you need to come, and you need to follow. And that still echoes over the ages. The question is, where is our heart? What is it that we lack? What is it that we lack? What must we do? What must we do? What do you and I need to get rid of? What do we need to give away? Where are the places in our lives that we need to make sure we turn away from the world and we follow him and him alone? It says in just the next verse, but at these words, he, the young rich man, the unnamed man, was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. He came so excited. He came anticipating What do I do? He sensed, he sensed that he was headed in the wrong direction. He knew his life was empty. His barns were packed. 
His house was well provided for. But he was empty and he knew it. He knew it. And he believed or he would not have run. He would not have knelt. He would not have acknowledged Jesus as the good teacher if he had not believed that Jesus had the answer. But don't miss this. Jesus gave him the answer. But he rejected it because it wasn't the answer he wanted. You and I do this same thing. We chase hard after God. We want the things of God. We want to honor God. We want to trust and we want to obey. We want our faith to grow, right? We want to be stronger. We want to have a witness, all of that. And then we get broadsided with life. Then hard things happen and we have to exercise that faith. We have to lean into that mercy and that grace. And very often, we get angry with God when he's answering our prayer. We're seeking hard after him. Transform me into your image, into your likeness. Make me holy as you are holy. Soften my heart. Mold my mind. We want these things. We pray for these things. And then he endeavors and sets about doing those things, orchestrating things in our lives and his sovereign will for our good. And we get angry. And we go away saddened and grieved. I just want to dare you. I just want to dare you to listen to the words of Jesus right here. The father last time said, listen to my son. Listen to the words of Jesus right here. Listen to him. Dare to lean into him. I don't want to miss these other two instances here in the second half of Mark chapter 10, where Jesus asks that the same question, but in two distinctly different circumstances. This is very interesting. So the question is, Jesus asks to two different individuals, two different circumstances, and yet I think it echoes over the ages to you and me. So the first one, we're going to look at verses 32 through 35. I know that I'm not getting to everything in this chapter. You have a study guide at rachelcarmen.com. Dare to dive in and dig in. But picking up in 32, all of this has just happened. Jesus has again in chapter 10, verse, let's see, picking up in 33, the third time that Jesus has foretold his death. He does it three times in the book of Mark. In 8, 9, and 10, Jesus tells his disciples three distinct times. Actually, two times in 9, one is just only one sentence long. So we usually just count it as three. Three times he tells them, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And let me tell you what's going to happen there. And all three times they don't get it. They don't understand. It just doesn't make sense to them. Because that's not what they thought this was going to be. Okay? So we've got that in chapter... um, 10 here picking up in 33 through 34 he's telling them and if you study those verses it's the most detailed foretelling that jesus gives his disciples okay but then picking up in 35 okay get this jesus has just told them again we're going to jerusalem I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to be sentenced to death. I'm going to die on the cross, but I'm going to rise again. 
He's just said that. I mean, he just put a period on that, okay? And it says, verse 35, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, also known as the sons of thunder, came up to Jesus saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, now, I don't know about you, but I think it is clear that James and John were not paying attention to what Jesus just said. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. He has just told them, we are, this is what's going to happen. And James and John come up and go, we want you to do whatever we ask. I have to say, the thing that struck me this time as I read that passage, I was just like, okay, guys, he just told you that he is going to Jerusalem to do everything you would ever need him to do for you. And you don't even know to ask for it, just so you know. Clearly, James and John were not paying attention. And again, this is a moment in Scripture where it is good for you and I to ask ourselves, are we paying attention to what Jesus is saying? Are we paying attention to the truth of God's word? Are we paying attention? Are we distracted by what we want? Because that's what we see here in James and John. We want you, Jesus, to do whatever we ask. And you need to know, listener, that there's a whole false gospel out there. And this false gospel has false teachers. And these false teachers have churches that are filled on Sunday mornings. And this is their gospel. Their gospel is, we want God to do whatever we want God to do. They basically want to boss God around. And I just want to boldly suggest to you today, it's because they don't get that everything they ever needed him to do is already done on the cross of Calvary. There's nothing else. He's already done for us. The most important thing, the eternal thing that we could never have done for ourselves. How dare we? How dare we run up to him and say, hey, here's my Christmas list. Here's all the stuff I want you to do for me. Not even acknowledging the cross of Calvary. Our line is, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And to live out our lives as lives of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude to him for all that he's done. But let's see. Let's see how Jesus responds to this. He's just foretold them. They come up as though they have not heard a word that he said. And he says, here's our question. He says this in verse the 36. Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Listener, it is worth you considering what is it that you want Jesus to do for you that he has not already done. Now, I am not suggesting today that Jesus doesn't want to hear our hearts ache. He knows our heart aches. He invites us to the throne of grace to come with confidence to lay out before him our hearts cry, our hurts, our needs. But if our needs and our wants are merely lists made up of what the world thinks is important, then we need to revisit those. We are to seek after the things of God. Those are the prayers that he answers in abundance. As we chase after the fruit of the Spirit, as we chase after sanctification and transformation, those are the answers that we should come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence and ask, Oh, Father God, would you give me more joy? 
Would you grant me kindness? Would you grant me opportunities to be gracious? Those, those, oh, Father God, in my weakness, would you be my strength? Those, those are the prayers that he answers in abundance. Here he says to James and John, what do you want me to do for you? So they go on. They basically want to sit on his right and his left. And I can just imagine Jesus just going, you really don't get it. You think we're going to Jerusalem and there's going to be a revolution and I'm going to sit on the throne here and now. And that's not what I just said that that's not what I'm doing. And you're still, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You still think we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to set up a kingdom. We're going to overthrow the Romans. That is not what we're going to Jerusalem to do, guys. That's That's not what we're doing. And Jesus says, you know what? Do you really think that you can do you really think that you can drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Do you really think in other words, do you think you're deserving of those positions? Are you willing to do? You're not even paying attention to what I just told you I'm going to do. And what makes you think that you're able to do what I'm about to do that you're not even willing to listen to me when I tell you I'm about to do it? And they go, "Yeah, no, we could do that." And Jesus says, okay, you will. You will drink the cup. But as to sitting on my right and left, that's not up to me. So Jesus goes, okay, all right. You will, you will follow after me. But I don't determine who sits on my right and my left. I don't do that. The other 10 disciples are hearing this exchange and they're really aggravated with the brothers, Zebedee. They are not happy with that. Jesus, it says in 42, calls them to himself and he says, you know that those who recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes, here's his teaching. Here's his teaching to his disciples. Don't miss this. Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus is like, even me, get this. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Do you see this? Jesus is circling back to his foretelling of his death. He's entering in with James and John into this discussion. It's clear to him that they weren't paying attention. They didn't hear a word he said. The other disciples are frustrated with them for even asking this question. And Jesus dares to circle back. Okay, guys, you missed it the first time. But let me just make something clear to you. If you want to be first, you need to be last. And you need to serve each other. Because after all, you missed it the first time. Just a few minutes ago, I said this, but I'm going to go back and say it again. I have come. This is one of the purpose statements of Christ. I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. In other words, if you did, if you missed it just a few minutes ago, this is why I came. I came to go to Jerusalem to suffer, to die. That's why I came. And I'm inviting you to follow in those footsteps. 
So that's the first instance of this question, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? So that's in the context of James and John really not paying attention to Jesus. Here's our second time, and it's, it, don't, oh, this is just glorious. We have blind Bartimaeus. So it says that they come to Jericho, Jesus and the disciples, they come, it sounds like kind of past Jericho. They come, and then they're leaving Jericho, and his disciples in a large crowd And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting by the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was nearby, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus got who Jesus was too. How did he know that Jesus was the son of David? I don't know, but he knew. And he cried out to him, son of David, have mercy on me. But in the crowd, people were sternly telling him to be quiet. Shh. They were shushing him. Here's a man who gets who Jesus is, and all he's asking is for mercy. Mercy. And they're like, shh. But Bartimaeus was not to be shushed. I love this. He kept on. Son of David, have mercy on me. 49. Jesus stopped. I love this. Blind Bartimaeus dared to cry out to Jesus. And even when he was shushed, he dared to cry out all the more to Jesus. And Jesus stopped. Call him here, Jesus said. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. So throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Now, I think if we dare to step back, we don't have time today, and do a parallel between Bartimaeus coming to Jesus and the rich young ruler, I think there are some interesting things to note. Bartimaeus jumped up and came to Jesus. Jesus said, here it is, what do you want me to do for you? Same question that he asked James and John, who were asking for the wrong thing, who were not paying attention who Jesus was or what he had already said. Blind Bartimaeus gets who Jesus is, is asking for the right thing, mercy. Asking for the right thing. And Jesus asked the same question, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, he received his sight and began following him on the road. Oh, I pray that the Lord God will bless you, that the Holy Spirit will teach you as you dare to dig in and dive in deeper to God's word. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast.
Do you want to better understand the Bible and get biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.